0: You're listening to the Be Human Podcast, where we break down what it means to be human. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, and share. Ayo, guess what? This is actually a bonus episode. We thought it might be really great to hear Kevin's story a bit more up close and personal. So he was featured on our good friend Paul Dermany's podcast. And so we're going to share that with you all today. I hope you enjoy. And if you kind of liked what you heard, come back in a few weeks and hear Paul's story as well. It's going to be a banger. So sit back and enjoy.
1: What's the crack? The crack is good, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's mighty. How about yourself? I'm good, man. It's been, what, four, five years since I've Pro- seen you? Probably about that, yeah. Probably since I went off social media, cut off I, all
2: ties. I actually want to ask you about that for in a moment, but I also want you to know on the record, on a podcast, that you were a very huge influence on my career at the start. I'm sure you know that. But you're a lot of the reason I went into the fitness industry. I'm going to embarrass you and put you on the spot, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> you were you back in Galway when you used to PT. Uh, I used to look up to you a tremendous amount, and I wanted to do something very similar. So oh, I just appreciate to, um, that. Yeah, because I've been listening to your new podcasts and I often find myself listening to you oh, speak. Nice. And you're yeah, you're mo- you're you're even more eloquent than I would have thought and i mean that in the nicest oh, way cheers i mean <laughs> i
1: definitely don't think i'm eloquent but <laughs> I mean,
2: oh, you have a great way of getting a message across but i was thinking i must say to him that he was a huge influence on why i started pt because you know i'm listening to the podcast and you don't know the effect that you've had on me for example so i want to put that out there before we even start the podcast man
1: oh lovely appreciate it that's uh yeah well great way to start off the podcast Paul. appreciate it <laughs> it's good to hear you're very welcome how's life man Oh, life is pretty fantastic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm happy out. I'm here in California. I'm now engaged. I got a I got a puppy. I got a cat. You know, it's uh, it's funny. It's kind of mad. It's it kind of amazes me when I like think back where. So when the last time we probably talked was yeah about four years ago, I'd say, and it's just kind of insane how much can happen and change in the, in the span of four years. And I haven't been in California for four years. I, I was in, so I moved to America in 2016 on a one-year visa. Uh, First, first person, very first person I met and the only girl I met when I moved here was Alexa, who I'm engaged to. We got engaged um, 10 months after, or sorry, a year after to the date we first met. I, then uh shit hit the fan with my visa I thought I had a visa sorted shit hit the fan so pretty much a couple of weeks after we had just got engaged I relocated to London and was there and I was told that I would be back in the US within a within a matter of months and the visa would be sorted I was there for two years so myself and Alexa did long distance for two years and then I only got back to the US last January and thank god I did right before COVID because if i was in london while covered i would still be in london so it's kind of crazy what can happen but yeah man that's i
2: didn't i didn't know you were doing long distance i knew you were engaged to an american lady but i because you haven't been using social but you yeah. came within a hair of yeah
1: four-year hiatus maybe when you consider yeah, what would it, have been it, it and it's it's funny as well when you because when, at the time you know you're i'm in london and every time i get on a call with the lawyers oh any you know when when do you think it's going to happen when? and every time it's oh well you know it could be another month could be another year you know. and then it those months just add up to years i was there for two whole years and you know, it at times you know, during that period you get frustrated and you're like well when the hell am i going to get back you know what i mean and now looking back it's kind of just this god sent that i actually got back when i did and, you know, it, it 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 just flips the script on us. You're just so, so grateful that I'm so grateful that I got back when I did. Whereas when I was in London, I was down the mindset of what the hell is going on? This is so frustrating. I've been told, you know, six months and it's now two years kind of thing. So it's funny how your perspective can change pretty easily. What were you doing in London? Were you doing the same job? You're in sales now, right? I, I yeah, I work for work for. So I'm not at the same. Co- I worked for a tech company. Um, for, so I'm still I still work in tech and sales, but I worked for a tech company for three years, and they they had actually. I was fortunate enough that they sponsored me to move to to London, and then when I moved back, decided I wanted to change and move to another tech company. But yeah, I'm working in uh, tech sales now, so it's funny. Yeah, it's like part of me, part of me misses. Uh, being in the personal training industry, you know, it's definitely. Oh, I mean, I still like. I got back from a, a big run. I'm, I still have the endorphins running through my body. It's amazing. Um, you know, I still have an absolute love and passion for exercise. Do it every day. It's definitely at my core, what my biggest passion in life. But I just wanted a change and wanted a new challenge and and this was the right up. The, this was the opportunity for me to move to America, and it was always kind of a. a a kind of a dream of mine. So yeah, I had a career change, but I think I'm starting to, you know, by starting this podcast, I feel like I'm feeding, feeding, um, you know, that need of mine that wants to, you know, really to help people, but maybe not in the physical aspect, potentially the physical aspect as well, but more on the mental side of things, because that's, that's a huge, I would say an even bigger passion of mine than, than the physical, um, Aspect of things. So of course, you mean when you've a message to
2: share and you've been through the journey Mm. that you've been through, like everything you've been through, which I want to ask you about in terms of your anxiety in the past and dealing with Mm. depression, and then say long distance travels and everything, sharing your message across, especially in the way that you and Bree do it on the podcast, it it actualizes yourself. You almost take yourself back on the journey and Mm. it gives you that sense of meaning. And purpose, fulfillment, sharing that message with other people who perhaps are going through the same things or who, as mm-hmm. you probably know, are younger, younger Kev, who are about to go on the same journey and might not mm-hmm. see. might You might be talking to the Kevin you needed eight years yeah. ago, six years yeah. ago, that kind of way. Uh, it, it's Absolutely. apparent to me on the, po- yeah, it's very clear to me on the podcast. I want you to share with my audience a little bit about the podcast because they won't know what the hell I'm talking about. You have the Be yeah. Human podcast with your partner, Bree. You're talking mm-hmm. about essentially what it is to be a human to to like the trials, tribulations, struggles. You've some great episodes of the podcast. I was listening to it this morning on my walk to Starbucks. Nice. And um <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you talk about things which I find very fascinating because they apply to everyone. Even when I don't relate to it, I can see crossovers in my own client base in terms of things like imposter syndrome, bullying, yeah. perfectionism. Um, mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about what the intention is with the podcast, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think. So I would say, and the kind of name stems from the fact that really, probably one of the most common themes in life is that we will all go through some sort of struggle. You know, we will all go through some sort of struggle, whether it's mental, physical, whether you go through some some sort of traumatic experience. um, You know, whether it's financial, whether it's career, whatever it is, we you know that is really probably one of the most common themes of life is that you will experience some struggle. Now, the goal of the podcast is to basically have myself, Brie, but, you know, guests, uh, maybe yourselves someday too, Paul, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah, and just Pleasure. share. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And, and share insights uh, around the the struggle and how they got through it. Uh, because I know from my experience, obviously I, I went through a very difficult uh, time in my life where I was just consumed and debilitated by anxiety and depression to the point where I really, there was, there is a good chunk of my life where I didn't see any end in sight or the end, the only end inside I I saw was, you know, ending it really. And that's a reality.
2: Yeah. Can I come in there as well? I find this fascinating because when you talked about Mm -hmm. this for the first time, I remember finding out and it shows the, something I'm trying to live by today of never making Mm -hmm. assumptions. I remember you, this, jacked dude right i remember seeing you big muscular lad nice to everybody everybody liked him and i remember thinking i remember being i i didn't assume well what does he have to be sad about that would never be my train of thought but i remember Mm. thinking oh my god if if friendly happy-go-lucky charming fit kev can be sad Mm -hmm. shit was when when you started opening up and talking about it i was really surprised so it just ties in with the it can you know the Mm -hmm. the kind of the adage of depression can take many different faces
1: Oh absolutely. Yeah, I mean it, it it's it's even funny for me to think that that looking back that that was possible because I was just in such a state of despair and hopelessness and yeah, I just I I struggled to see to get any joy from life for for a significant period of my life. Now, I will say I've I'm I'm an open book, you know. You, I wear my heart on my sleeve. You'll always see it in my face, you know. Alexa, like, like, well, instantly know if I'm upset about something or I'm happy about, because it, it's in, it's on my face. It's just plastered there. So, I think one thing that I'm grateful for in a way is that I I am sensitive. I am in tune with my feelings, and I'm not that afraid to share it. So, and and I had a huge advocate and support of my my mom. You know, my mom was there through through thick and thin and was was able to support me. And I was able to open up to her. And you know, I had a GP, a general practitioner, who was had been my GP all my life. And I was very open with him as well. And I think that allowed me then just to not be not be afraid to get help, not be able to get, you know, support in the in the in the in you know antidepressants for a period and that's the reality as well. You know, I haven't been on I I was on a, a antidepressants for I would say about two years. And I think they helped me get to a point. So, you know, there's a lot of talk, oh, you don't need antidepressants. You know, and, th- and that's fair enough. I, I I wouldn't be an advocate or wouldn't, you know, not be an advocate. For me, what they I was at a point where it was just getting kind of just too dangerous, really. I just was like not able to find peace in myself or or take the steps I needed to get better, but antidepressants, they sort of help, I suppose, mellow me out or just numb a lot of stuff. So that's when I was actually in a mindset that I could start meditating and feel reap the benefits. I could start incorporating, incorporating affirmations, you know, trying to uh, kind of program my mind for gratitude and positivity, but it was only I think those that was sort of the point where it helped me get to a point where I could start adopting these new habits. Yeah.
2: How? How then do you start to start? Really intrigued to know in a sense because I mean it sounds like a very dark place to be, and I can't mm. relate in any way to clinical depression for any prolonged period of time, with the exception of say bouts of your anxiety that you're prone to get through life. I, I can't mm. relate to depression in any way. And yeah. How. In a sense, then, Kev. Like, how do you, you know, where do you start finding the joy in the small things in life? You know, the way it's twenty to eight in the morning here. It's about five p.m. your time. How mm. are you finding the joy on a Saturday afternoon in life? You know, life is life right now. You know that kind of way. You do,
1: yeah, yeah. And this is this is the thing. This is what it it fascinates me the, so much, Paul. That I am. It's it's almost hard, and this. I I don't like saying this, but it it it's the reality. To be honest, it's I find it difficult to n- not be in a positive state of mind now, to not be grateful for life and everything that's happening to me and for me. And it I find that so fascinating because it's so crazy for me to look back and be in this point where it was impossible. Like I could see nothing i I just saw no point of life because I was so incredibly miserable. and now I'm at this other side of the coin, and it blows my mind that that's what that's that's within all of us, and that is the reality and And that's kind of a big reason be, behind why I'm doing the podcast is because I want people who are going through these difficult periods not to look not to rub it in like, oh, look at me, I'm happy. you <laughs> it's to say. I was in your shoes and now I'm at this point where like, I'm not a millionaire. I don't have like the best job. I don't have like nothing fancy like that. You know, I'm a simple person who's yeah. Like I got an incredible fiance who I love so much and and a, a puppy and a cat who to be fair, if you want to increase your baseline level of happiness, get a puppy. But I've, I've just done this, you know, flip, so that's where I, I I want people to hear this and realize that it's within all of them. And I think how I got to that stage, Paul, was I basically went, so obviously, you know, went on antidepressants and they were pretty they were kind of recognized as being pretty strong antidepressants, to be fair, but they basically kind of numb numb your feelings to an extent. um, so all of your feelings, good and bad. Now, I—I I, sure I, I've always been quite habit orientated, but I suppose I basically at some point had made the decision that right there's no the the option to end things is not going to happen because and and I had considered it seriously for a period, but I think then I was able to kind of ground myself and say that option is not going to happen because I realize and and know the impact that it would have not on me but on other people, in particular, my mom, to be honest, you know, that's where I got a lot of the strength. So I made the decision, right, this is not going to happen. That's not an option. So I then made the decision, right, I'm going to do everything I can to get through this. So it was just a sort of decision I made in my mind that, right, I'm going to do everything I can to get to a point where I'm at least not depressed and anxious for the entire day. So I mean, meditation. Absolutely, that that became a, a habit of mine. I mean, Paul, I don't think I've missed a day of meditation for five six years. You know what I mean? Uh, and not everybody's going to be like me, but I'm just a crazy routine or habit person. I I I you know, when I commit to something, I'll do it. I am. Um, I was started reading books, and affirmations was a big thing that came up. So now I think affirmations are a little bit. I don't know if I. Uh, I think they're good. They're a good additional. Like they're a good tool in your arsenal. I wouldn't say they're the what's going to change everything, but they're again, it's a good addition to have. So for me, I would, um, yeah, I would have affirmations. But something I actually did, I recorded myself saying affirmations like "I'm, I'm, I'm getting through this. I am beating anxiety. I'm de- beating depression. I'm getting stronger mentally, phys- uh, physically, and mentally every day." These different af- affirmations. I, I would. I had a recording of that and i would literally play that every second i could whether i was like cycling to work whether i was in between clients you know at home before i would go to bed and i think to some extent it just started to ingrain these these this inner dialogue that was much more skewed to the positive than it was to the negative
2: you know what you say not everybody's going to be crazy structured and routine like you mm-hmm. it it kind of um seems to me like something that I think everybody should do. You have a strong set of values. You have a, the way you talk about Alexa and the way you talk about, you know, I'm not the richest man on the planet. It sounds to me like you've an intrinsically very rich and meaningful life. And it sounds to me from where I'm sitting that you have a deep sense of intrinsic again. I go back to that because I think that's super important. You values, Mm -hmm. you know, what makes you tick, you know, Mm -hmm. what doesn't work for you. And I, I would, as part of my coaching practice, I encourage a lot of clients, particularly those who have no particular fitness identity, to, mm-hmm. to set a set of values. Boundaries is another thing, which I'm hoping that we can actually touch on in a little bit. But particularly values that, a little bit of a, a set of agreements that you hold with yourself, almost that make your life mm-hmm. better. Because whilst I can't directly relate to meditation, partly because, I just. Consider myself to be relatively in a camp. Luckily, fortunately, or otherwise, in a camp state of mind. As soon as I wake up, I just mm. feel very calm But the You're affirmations actors <laughs> I'm I, I'm telling I'm ju- you, i have joking. I know, but I, I've done them. The, the big five personality test is something I've done. And I don't read too much into it, but it was fascinating yeah. to me that I scored one out of a hundred in negativity and neurotic ne- negative emotion and neuroticism wow. on that test. So, but that could be confirmation yeah. bias, Kev. That could be the thing that I don't know if it's real or Good. if I see it and go, brilliant. Like I'm so yeah. super low on neuroticism. So now I can go and, you know, it's like your affirmations. It's consciously bringing about what I want to embody today regardless. So yeah. I see it as a positive.
1: Oh, I think that's huge. I think that's huge. You know, when you, I almost feel like there's, there's, there's danger to giving yourself an identity. Like I, I am 4. depressed. 2. I am anxious. I, it's also very uh, on the flip side, you know, I am for you. I am, I am a positive person. Like, I mean, that's huge, but I think it's not necessarily saying I am depressed or I, is I have depression or I am experiencing depression. I am experiencing anxiety because you can start to form an identity like this is who I am. I am just going to be like this for the rest of my life. And that's how it is. And I definitely went through a period of that where I struggled to, to, to figure out how I would get through it. But I think when I started to make those small changes and start to see those incremental you know, changes in my, my mindset, then I was able to disassociate from the the label of I am depressed, or and so I think that's really interesting. You know, though, like I personally, I try to, I actually try to avoid those personality tests in a way because I think, again, you know, you can, oh, wow, well, they saying I'm a, I'm a, uh, you know, you might think you're an extrovert, then you do a test that says you're an introvert. Oh, I'm going to start, you know, not speaking up as much. I don't know, but I, I think there is a, I think in your case, I mean, that's fantastic. You couldn't ask for, a kind of a better self-affirming result you know what I mean but I think in some cases it could be a little bit a little bit dangerous but I g- dangerous I know I, I agree with you wholeheartedly but
2: I think it personally and I'm almost airing this out loud for the first time in a sense I think it depends on your mindset I, mm. I wholeheartedly agree when you create identity of I am this and such and such a person and you're stuck in a fixed mindset I I reckon it can be a bit of a dangerous thing. But if you're Mm -hmm. someone who opens up those identity based on more, I'm a growth person. I am a critical thinker. I am somebody who changes based on new information. Mm -hmm. I am somebody who, welcomes joy and abundance as and when I discover it. That's the kind of values I'm kind of referring to in a sense, because I wholeheartedly agree, man. I lost the run of myself trying to be the fitness guy, probably trying to embody people like yourself in a a way. That's Mm -hmm. not me. I I like the gym, but I'm not inherently a fitness freak. And I did lose a part of my identity chasing those ideals, which sounds trivial, but you know, Mm -hmm. you can, you can go on a quest for control in an avenue of life. That's not for you. 100%. Yeah. And that's why now I'm talking about values and identity more in the sense of um, it's like a sense of a set of agreements you hold with yourself to to grow, to change. They make your life better. They make the lives of those around you better, in a sense, so that Mm -hmm. you can constantly, in my opinion, seek to discard pieces of you that you no longer need as and when you find them. Like we're both quite young. Mm -hmm. We're in our early 30s. Yeah. The idea the idea that this is the finished piece is so ridiculous.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean. 10 years ago, God, like I cringe at who I was 10 years ago, even five years ago. I'm like, I ask Alexis sometimes, I'm like, how the hell did you stick with me? Like, (laughs) what? What were you thinking? You know what I mean?
2: (laughs) I feel you so much. I said the same to Orla when she met me. The first, I'm the exact same man. Um, Why you went off social media for about 100 years. Why?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um. I think I'd just gone to a stage where, you know, in a, a part of me is like, I wish I'd kept going with the, you know, fitness kind of blogging and, and posting and stuff. But when I moved to the States, first of all, I, I kind of said, I didn't want to have that. I didn't want to have my focus. I don't think I was at a stage or maturity where I was able to balance two things. You know, I was because I still wanted to go party and have fun. Then I wanted to go to work and do well at, at the job I was doing day to day. And then I wanted to try and do the f- fitness blogging and, and stuff like that. And yeah, I kind of had to make a decision. OK, at the moment, the job I'm in is more important to me than maintaining the fitness. Thing. And so there was that side of it. And then the other side of it was, I mean, I just you, you, you it's it does suck in, you know, where you're you just become very conscious of your likes, you know, who's, who's following you, you get conscious, you start constantly. I mean, that's the biggest thing comparing yourself about what everybody else is doing and thinking that you're in a place of lack when really it's just a highlight reel that people are putting out there. And then I think it's just the, the, I, I, it scares me to think that we can spend, you know, three, four, five hours of our day, looking at our phone and that's the reality what the average is something like four to five hours a day I'm still bad I still spend about an hour and a half a day two hours on my phone and I don't Paul this is a funny thing I don't have any good apps on my phone like I've deleted all the good stuff you know what I mean there's nothing good on my phone to look at and I still still spend that much time like how how do I still manage to do this you know what I mean it's bizarre so actually now that I'm kind of back on social media back on instagram and 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 facebook what i actually try and do is i make a post uh, i might leave it on the, the phone over the weekend but uh for for a couple of hours or whatever but when i make a post i actually just delete the instagram app because i definitely found that's the one that sucks you in where you are oh you click on people's stories and you you end up you know clicking on profiles and stuff so i make the post and then i delete the app and just don't have it there so
2: yeah does it affect your self-worth in general or is it just a time thing you know when you say the highlight reel do you find do you find you i've taken personal steps to to make sure that i would say make sure it doesn't happen to me that's probably a bit strong of a sentence Uh, i'm not suggesting i'm impervious to it by any means but i've taken steps for example i I, one small thing i'm trying to do is not put my personal life besides the odd picture of something Mm. cool my, my personal life hasn't been on social to the point where I would have been asked many times in the last year oh did you break up with your girlfriend and I was like no Got I've actually it. just changed just changed my social media strategy that it's like it's mm. just the business that I'm trying to promote but immediately yeah. I actually I feel lighter for it I feel like there's no facade I need to front to there's mm-hmm. no there's no I found I, I think part of the reason I was doing it Kev it's interesting I feel almost silly saying this but in in mid-2019 hand on heart it sounds almost fake I actually wrote an email about it to my email list I wrote a if the world crashed tomorrow if the world closed down which it kind of technically has Mm. what values would I still what would I do if nobody could applaud me nobody could give me any gratification nobody could tell me that I was perfect or wonderful and I kept a series of things I wanted to do learn a second language uh, you know run a happy business that gives me meaning you know never have my external validation higher than my internal that kind of stuff so then I completely adjusted my social media behavior and it's been a really nice thing to do at the same time i can waste fucking four hours a day on social and justify it by content yeah. posting you know hustle yeah. and all that stuff do you, have you in your mentality have you improved in terms of looking at other people's lives compared i know it's it's the biggest cliche mm. on the planet and i know a lot of people talk about it and don't do anything about it and that i find frustrating so you obviously did something about it have you noticed that you're in a happier headspace when you don't see what the hell everybody's up to?
1: Yeah, I think so. But I think I've I've I think my approach now when I do go on and click around, it it I don't allow it to suck me. And I mean, I just, you know, I've I've developed a very strong practice of gratitude and self-appreciation that I'm just very happy. And it's funny, I almost feel I think like in the past, when I was on social media, you know, you're about to make a post and you think about a hundred million different ways and like, Oh, what are people going to think? Oh, they're going to unfollow me. Yeah. And now it's just kind of like, here it is. Take it or leave it. If you, yeah. if you don't follow me, it's fine. I don't, I don't really care. You know, at the end of the day, I want to help people. So if, if it's, if it's helping somebody that listens to it, great. If it has the other uh, effect where people don't follow me, that's fine too. Um, So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's not definitely not impacting me as much. And I think it's just, it is having those healthy boundaries where, you know, I download it and then I delete it and just don't spend too much time. Cause I think that's where the frustration I find is I've been mulling over a lot where I wouldn't say a lot, but you know, you, and you realize this, Paul, you've one life and it's short. And there's a hell of a lot I want to do in it. And spending hours looking at people looking amazing and being happy and great isn't how I want to spend it so I think that's probably where the frustration for me would lie now with the phone and and spending time on it is is just reducing that time and spending it reading a book or you know creating a podcast or you know spending time with my dog something like that you know uh, definitely.
2: I'm I'm with you. I, I don't struggle too much with the comparison thing. I'm honestly happy for people doing well because life is hard, mm. especially these days for a lot of people who don't have a lot of meaning in their lives. I think somewhere along the way, I think since I've been a child, I find I've always been to some degree very aware of the finite, finitude, finiteness of existence, which might mm. sound a bit... Um, I don't know what word you'd put on it. Put so what you just said there really resonates. I, I'm very aware life yeah. is short. I try to spend some part of every day thinking about today as if it were my last. I don't always consciously think about it, but I try to. Yeah. And 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 for the most part, I do. And it just that to me immediately immediately perspectivizes absolutely everything. Have you seen Carl Sagan's Blue Dot theory? The pale blue dot. The I've not. It's, know, YouTube, but I'll it's have just to a check really interesting. Out. It's a three minute youtube video kev it's yeah. basically how the the tiny how how in the context of the globe the earth is just a tiny pale not the globe oh, hand, the context
1: yeah, well i've i haven't heard i've definitely watched it after this but i i've heard of this concept yeah um and it's just uh, a nice
2: reminder you know. i'm with you i don't want to whatever about wasting my life looking in other people i don't ever want to resent anybody's success like if i Mm. look at kev and i see giant quads and six-pack i'm happy for you man i'm like well done. (laughs) i was like you conquered an abundant food world to get into the best shape of your life if i see Mm. people with a college degree i'm thinking hey you're you got academically gifted well done i i can't imagine wasting my life being in any way envious or or Wasting it looking in at other people's life. And I find if my behavior does begin to change, you have to take steps. There's no point complaining about it Mm -hmm. and pissing and moaning and hoping some arbitrary Instagram world changes. You have to take steps like you've done with gratitude, which has actually been a very big part of my life. But gratitude is obviously a very big part of your life now.
1: Yeah. And it, it, well, it's it's very funny that you're talking about asking yourself daily about how you would go about living life if it was your last day. So I actually, in, in in my bathroom, I have a whiteboard and I have obviously I have my goals and I read them out and I look at myself in the mirror and say, You're gonna cut this. You know, I I it's like affirming it to myself, but you know, oh, uh, so much of what you get out of life is based around the questions you ask yourself. So I know when I was in that negative frame of mind, the questions I would ask myself is what's the point of life? Um, you know, why am I so miserable? Why am I so stupid? Why am I hopeless? So I've learned over the years that. If you can start to, and all of this, Paul, like it's gonna sound so cliche, but getting your mind in order for me, anyways, is the exact, exact same process as getting physically fit and healthy. Do not expect to become a happier, stronger person mentally by meditating one day, by being grateful one day. It is a consistent an iterative process. So, you know, for me, I've gone to this stage now where I've so many different habits and, and routines and, and, and systems set up. And one of those is, uh, in my bathroom, I have a whiteboard with a list of questions. One, The first question is if this was your last day, how would you live it? Yeah. You know, so it's funny that you brought that up. Then I ask what am I most grateful for in my life? And I, and I, I talk at the, I I say it out loud while I'm in the shower. I talk to myself, and because it's almost, I find there's there's value in that. You know, just affirming it out loud. I say, ask myself, uh, what am I most proud of? What what do I love most about myself? What do I? Want what are you? Love? What are you most proud of? What are you most proud of about yourself? What's Kev's best thing? So do you? So do you, the most consistent thing that I say that I'm most proud of is that I I got through anxiety and and depression. I yeah. conquered my mental health illness and i wouldn't say conquered because anxiety depression look like i'm not saying i've ha- i've had a relapses where i've gone back and felt anxious and and uh and never get to the point that i was before and there was a lot of guilt and sort of shame where oh how did i let this happen i'm going to go back to how I was and and then you learn from that and you evolve from that but without doubt and this is this is sort of my badge of honor that I will always wear is that I got through what I personally think is probably one of the most difficult things in life that is anxiety, depression, mental illnesses, any mental illness. And I got through it. And that's something I'm incredibly proud of. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I can imagine, man. That's an, that's, it's quite the story. And especially with the suicide rates being so high amongst, absolutely amongst society nowadays, that's to say you came out the other end Mm -hmm. is, quite the story you probably weren't finished the questions that you had before i interrupted you the reason i asked by the way is Mm. um i wanted to know what you're proud of because i don't often hear not enough people talk in a very sincere um genuine content way about what they're proud of about themselves Mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's very self-deprecating or it's very it's quite lack as opposed to abundant and for me i i can come across as somewhat confident but that's what i get told and i don't actually see it that way i talk to myself now as if i was talking to a 10 year old boy me so then Mm that changes the entire dialogue where I would never make 10 year old, but I was an anxious wreck of a child. I grew out of it and I started to question life and I started to question thoughts, Kev, which has been a game changer for me. Like humans are literally the only thing on the planet that can attach any kind of meaning to something. Like if you take your political beliefs or your diet beliefs to a tree or a dog or a puppy or a baby or anything that isn't you or me, there's no concept to, you know, and I, I started to, Yeah. And I started to think like, why is he obsessed with business? Why is she obsessed with uh, sport? Why is, why are they obsessed with X and Y? Why are they so limited? And I started to dig into myself go, why, where did I pick this up? This is a strange. Mm -hmm. little. So I'm talking to myself now as if through the eyes of a 10 year old boy, I would never tell 10 year old me that Mm -hmm. uh, he's a bit stupid and that he can't achieve what he wants (laughs) to achieve. So that the 31 year old me is the big massive 10 year old me and i find that really yeah. helpful i hope that makes sense because it makes perfect sense in oh, my mind
1: i i mean makes makes complete sense there's a there's a form of meditation around that Paula, i i uh it's not coming to me but yeah that's a that's a form of meditation where you are and i know i i did it before where um they asked you to bring, it's actually Brianna. Brianna is the co-host of the podcast. When, when we worked together, she actually just asked, Hey, can I do this meditation with you? She asked me to bring in a photo of myself when I was, you know, a child. So, you know, around, you know, seven or eight years of age and to look at the photo and your, and then to go into this meditation and to almost talk to yourself and let you know that it's all going to be okay. And that's, that's a key, that's a critical thing. And, and I think for you know, even if you don't, even if you don't talk to your 10 year old self, you know, when you're having these thoughts and these self deprecating thoughts about, you know, you're not being enough. Step out of that for a minute and act as if you're talking to your friend who's going through the same situation. You know, if your friend was going through anxiety and depression, would you be saying to them, that? So, Oh, just get over it. Just get, you're fine. Like stop, stop giving out. Oh, you're so negative. Yeah. No, you wouldn't do that. You'd be like, look, it's okay to feel this way. Yeah, it's tough, but you can get through it. Everybody that goes through experiences like this, know that you're not alone and I'm here for you. You're going to get through it. That's how you talk. So I think there's value in that, stepping outside of that incessant chatter. That... You know, like really the voice in your head, you you know, sure you have two voices, but there is a voice in your head. Like if you sit there and you wanted to say hello, you know, you would say it in your head. It's realizing and detaching from that because that the majority of the time is the ego. It's going to bring you down when times are tough and tell you you're useless and a piece of shit. And it's going to tell you you are shit hot when things are going well and you'll become an arrogant fecker because of it. So don't listen to the voice. Detach from it. And there's ways of doing that. Obviously, meditation. I've I've gotten into sort of longer distance running and and exercise like that. And that is a key, a great way of detaching from it as well. There's a constant battle when you're running. You're like, oh, just take a break. Oh, just stop. And honestly, I, I might sound like a nut job now, but I love essentially telling that voice to go like F itself, while I'm running, you can swear.
2: You can swear. Okay. Okay. Go good. fuck All yourself. Right.
1: Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not good. No. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's this. Uh, I, I think there's value in that as well. And obviously, that's part of why we love exercise so much because, you know, it's getting that extra chin up, getting that extra bench press, whatever it is. But there's, yeah, there's a lot of ways you can do that. But I would always encourage people to challenge the voice and detach from it.
2: You're a deeply reflective character. I really do like the emotional vulnerability that you have. I tend to connect better with people that are like that, partly because it's in me Mm. myself. And I like to feel like it is actually quite an authentic moment to share stuff back and forth. Mm. Uh, Partly because I think when you have discussions like this, I don't know about you, I'm the furthest thing from an expert. I just have a strong interest in terms of things like human behavior and emotion. So I I might, yeah, and I might say things that, maybe aren't technically true that i'm almost trying to um, understand better by by almost saying them out loud but when i say you're deeply reflective it's obviously true based on the conversation kev how how aware are you of when your own ego is playing a role from from what i understand of the ego from my own limited perception and i'm sure i'll be saying different things in 10 years i understand it as that part of you that 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 literally thinks when you say i so, when Kevin Russell mm-hmm. says, i you have an immediate perception of who you are and and maybe then you're talking about things like what you defend, what you project, I know we're all projecting all the time. It's more of a case of what are we projecting but what what mm-hmm. do you understand about your ego to the to where I'm at? I basically almost consider it as who who have I decided I am, and how do I react as opposed to decide to be if you get me yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's kind of how I understand it on the most simple of terms. But for you, when you're trying to, you know, evolve and grow and be a a higher version of Kevin, what, how are you able to catch when it's your ego playing the role in your life as opposed to perhaps the, the, the Kevin you're aiming at?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So for anybody listening, I'd I'd definitely recommend a book called The Untethered Soul. And that. Oh, it's great. It's a great book. Oh, you read it? Oh, I have Michael Singer. Yeah, probably my number of my, my favorite book of all time. Uh, and I just, I, I, li-
2: I loved the message, but it was a little yeah. bit too hokey. But the message is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I got a yeah. lot from the, the voice that's in your head all day long. That's, oh, that's Kevin, what I, Kevin yeah. didn't say hi to me. Kevin didn't yeah, say hi yeah. in the street.
1: <laughs> what a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually what I got the most most from it too. So I suppose, so over, and this I think this has come through you know, just getting a consistent meditation practice, but realizing that you're not the voice you who you are is not the voice in your head. You're the you're the one who you're who you are is the thing that is the person that listens to it. And that's going to start might start to uh, get a little bit confusing, but, you know, there's a voice in your head that talks almost you know continuously every second of the day whether it's, you know, open the door, feed the dog, you know, telling yourself or you're, you suck or you're great. There's a constant incessant chatter going on. Now, who you are is, is what absorbs that and what listens to it. And that then becomes your identity. So if you speak negatively, if you speak positively, you start to become what the voice is telling you. So for me, I think it's, I think I've been able to, understand that and identify that because and and through meditation really um being able to sit there and observe the voice and just it just allows me to detach from that and honestly from exercise and and running you know I try I try to exercise and run without any music or out any kind of audiobook or podcast sometimes I'll, I'll listen to podcasts when I exercise but but the majority of the time I try to use that mm-hmm. as, as quiet time where I'm letting the voice run wild essentially, but I'm using that time to observe it. You know, I think that's the, I don't, I don't, the reality is I don't think you're, I'm ever going to get to a stage where I can stop it, where it's just silence and you get, you know, the odd very brief period of that you're know, in meditation, you go like, you know, it's that moment where you get silence, and then you go, "Wow, it's silent in here." Shut, shut up, boys! No, boys, shut up! It's silent. You know, no, no. And then you like lose. It. Then you're then you're off on a tangent. Uh, but I think again, it's realizing that it'll never really go. It's just about becoming more aware of it, more comfortable with it, and then not attaching to anything that it really gives you. You know what I mean? Um, so that's what I found, anyways. But it's a it's a it's a process, Paul. You know, it's some days you have you have good days where, you're like, wow, I'm so mellow and calm and just floating through life. And then other days it's it's a bit more of a battle. So, yeah,
2: but it comes back to you find just being in a state of awareness as much as possible. Ultimately, that not to judge yourself and hang yourself out to dry for errors, just try to shine awareness and grow.
1: Yeah, exactly. and And this is the big thing that I learned over the years as well is. Stop fighting it. Stop fighting anxiety. Stop fighting depression. Stop trying to you know get you know battle these thoughts and get them out of your head. You're you're never going to win. It's a losing battle. Uh, and there's a great book, and I actually read this. So so like relapse. It sounds so dramatic, but it's kind of this. It, it, I, I had this experience last year where I was kind of referenced it earlier where. I had an anxiety attack uh, when I was just, you know, chilling out with Alexa and it kind of blindsided me. It came out of nowhere. And I I just, it really shook me. It just made me feel like it spent so many years, you know, four years where I just built and grown and gone out of this space where I felt anxiety and depression was sort of in the past. And then I had this, you know anxiety attack that it just it just I felt a lot of guilt and shame and just that I had taken you know 10 steps forward and then just you know five six steps back in them in just one little episode you know what I mean um but it's also great in a way because it then those setbacks it forced me to look into and research you know anxiety and depression again and and it and th- this was a minus, thankfully. It wasn't where I, I, I felt I could revert it back completely, but I was in a space where, all right, I'm going to learn from this experience and use it as a, an opportunity to strengthen myself. So, anybody listening who is experiencing anxiety, uh, I, I would definitely recommend a book called Dare by Barry McDonough. It's actually an Irish author, but the whole system, and it sounds so simple. But without question, it was the most helpful book I read on on anxiety and how to kind of overcome it. Is to stop fighting it. Is to to befriend your anxiety. Be, you know, like something I've done is I give it you give it a name, give it a character, give it a voice. You're welcoming in, pull out the seat and say, sit down there. I'm going to go grab you a cup of tea. And it's like oh you can you can bring on all these feelings yeah bring it on I love it oh yeah my heart's racing great you probably have a heart attack oh brilliant if that happens uh who cares oh yeah I have to talk at this presentation I work oh bring it on yeah who cares I' probably freak out and everybody will think I'm oh, the weirdo I don't care I love it come on bring it on it's to befriend it and welcome it in because you're never going to you're never gonna beat it by just saying oh go away these thoughts suck leave me alone. You have to kind of you have to work to befriend it, and it's like it's anxiety. At the end of the day, is is fear. And for me, what I began to fear was the feelings of anxiety and depression from from my past, and that was again, it was a setback. But it was this is the thing: all setbacks, all struggles in life bring so much more growth and positivity into your life than any of the good times. You, when do you ever? you know, for me, anyways, I never remember times where you know, the times I'm most grateful for in life aren't aren't typically, you know, oh, where I was just doing amazing at work and the top dog and yeah, yeah. no, it's where a point where you had to struggle, you have to work your ass off, and then you got the result that you wanted. Those are always the most gratifying periods in life. So whenever you're going through, through those setbacks or, or those difficult periods, it's knowing that at the end of it, it's going to be a, at the end of it, when you come through it, you're going to be in a much more positive and appreciative state. Yeah. You said
2: that line on the podcast this morning, and it was something I was definitely going to bring up about you. It's your struggles that will lead to the good times in life. Mm. And um, I kind of think when we look back from our deathbeds, we'll look back on life as the catalog of obstacles we overcame as opposed to all those nice holidays in yeah. on the beach.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you nailed it.
2: Um, dude, are you still bodybuilding at all? Or what is your current
1: fitness regime? Um, i i am not well i am an amateur. um i mean i'm still wait so i actually it's kind of funny you you've um so something for me i've always dreamt of is having my own home gym you know uh, from like a young age i've just always had this dream where i yeah i just wanted uh, my home gym and i and i would kind of i'm big on visual visualization and i would always visualize that when i I'd, Visualize my future house and stuff of having a home gym, and COVID sort of just accelerated that opportunity, and and I was kind of in a position where I thought uh, I can try and figure out a, a routine and then get back to the gym whenever it happens, or I can just pull the trigger and buy some equipment. So I bought some equipment and have this sort of a a, a rack. We have the storage area. Some people call it says it looks like a sex dungeon, but it's not. It's a it's a storage area, and I I got this rack. I got a barbell, some weights, and um, it's been great. I, and resistant bands, and workout down there every day. Uh, and yeah, have a have a combination. I usually do five days weights, uh, and then I go for kind of a big run on the weekends. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm still yeah, it's still my life. It's still my life, absolutely. But you're
2: not competing in bodybuilding anytime soon. No, so, so for I mean, anyone who's listening to this, who, who wouldn't be familiar with your background, you've been a competitive natural bodybuilder for, for years, basically. So I, I mean, should preface that just yeah. so people have some kind of context for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, part of me, part of me kind of wants to, in a way, go back. But then part of me is just like, eh, not really. So something I've kind of said to Alexa is maybe when we, I sort of like the idea of when we have kids, uh, going back and maybe doing the over 40s or something for, you know, just because I'm excited for when we have children and I and something I want to ingrain in them is just, you know, anything is possible. Like we are, the only limitation we have is our mind and that uh, going through mental illness and, and that struggle highlighted that for me. It It really is the only limitation we have. So I think when we eventually have kids, I think I would, consider going back just to show them like, you know, I'm 40 years of age and I'm back bodybuilding. You know what I mean? Um, But I I, honestly, I've sort of had a bit of a shift where I've signed up for a marathon in October and I started to really enjoy the, the challenge of the cardiovascular exercise a bit more because I, I find it's, it's much more of a mind and, and, mental battle which is something I actually really welcome and and appreciate nowadays so for me I'm I'm doing them I I did a half marathon last year I'm doing a marathon this year and then and I've done a couple of triathlons I'm kind of half thinking of maybe in the next couple of years trying to do an Ironman or something like that so that's been my kind of focus um focus uh, as of late yeah something I
2: actually wanted to ask you for quite a while believe it or not Really intrigued to hear your perspective on this, because maybe not, obviously. But when you were going through your anxiety and depression and you were trying to overcome that, that's at a similar time you were you were doing bodybuilding, right? Am I correct yeah. in saying those timelines? Do you think in any way, that your bodybuilding was an attempt to have control in a life where otherwise you were struggling to find the perception of control?
1: I think I think absolutely I think, yeah, absolutely in some ways. I think bodybuilding honestly, um, I had always just had this, I mean, for when I was, when I was that 10 years of age, my dad showed me how to do press-ups and sit-ups. And he said, if you do these every night, every night, you're going to grow up to be big and strong and be, and it's going to help you be a professional rugby player, which was my dream when I was growing up as a child. So Paul, no joke, I'm not exaggerating anyway, every single night no matter the circumstances, there was one time we had a rugby game and I got kicked in the back and they, they had to carry me off the field because I think they kind of thought that I could have actually had some serious issue with my back. Thankfully, it was just like badly bruised, but I couldn't. Uh, they had to carry me off. They had to like I had to lie in the back seat of the, the car and be brought up, carried up to bed and I had to take a couple of days off school. But this is how insane and religious I was about my press-ups and sit-ups. I crawled out of bed to try and do my presses and sit-ups, realized I couldn't because I was my back was fecked. So I had to scream out and have my dad and my mom haul me back into bed and actually rest up. But anyways, for me, I was just exercise and fitness. It, it was, it's definitely just a, a very yeah, it's it's a habit that has been ingrained for me from a young age and gives me a lot of control and that I know I will feel good after I exercise. Uh, I think bodybuilding, so it's kind of, you know, anxiety and depression, it, it, a lot of it stems from, uh, for me anyways, just feeling like I was going nowhere in life and I was just, you know, just a failure. And I think I just saw you know, so this, uh, I actually entered the first ever natural bodybuilding competition in Ireland. So there'd been bodybuilding competitions before, but natural natural bodybuilding doesn't get like the same kind of notoriety as as other bodybuilding competitions. So it was the first year on and I thought, you know, I love exercise. I love, you know, doing all this and why not just try my hand and, and see how I get on? And it gave me a goal. So it gave me purpose, first of all, uh, which is something that you definitely need when you're going through a, a mental illness, I find anyways. And it it definitely helped me realize that, you know, you talked about before, oh, you're somebody that I would have looked at and never thought he was going through this this challenge and never thought that he just so liked and, and all that. And And I just didn't feel that way at all. I just thought there's no way anybody could love me because I hate myself so much. But I remember entering the, the bodybuilding competition and I was flooded with words of support, you know, and um, just such good intentions and such incredible um, you know, positive sentiment after I competed. And that was actually sort of a catalyst of where I thought, you know what, actually people do like me. People do love me. I, I you know, I, I, am, I am loved. And that didn't wasn't a a switch that had flipped and maybe love myself then. But it definitely was a catalyst of a point in my life where I think things started to change, actually, from that point forward.
2: I remember I remember when you (laughs) competed. I don't know if it was your first show or your second. That was the first time I messaged you as well to say, hey, man, best of luck creepy guy you don't mm-hmm. really know on the internet but uh best of luck with the with the competition <laughs> you you know what you said there a moment ago about feeling like a failure in life mm-hmm. you won't know this but you said something on instagram i'd say four or five years ago kev i'm keeping tabs on you man i, t- I told you you've been a positive influence but you said something and i it, it it's something i knew and then you summed it up in words and it landed i think you said that when you used to fail exams you used to have it pre-justified by the, well I didn't study anyway kind of story yeah. that was getting yourself off the hook I did the same and I wish I would have had the self-awareness now to know that I'm not a I'm not overly academic well I wasn't as a child that was a story I had attached to mm-hmm. because now I've learned in the last couple of years that once I have an interest in something I can learn literally anything I want once I give myself an appropriate time frame. But if I'd have had the self-awareness back then, I would have known this is not for me. But instead, what I did was preface it with that. Well, I didn't study anyway, because I knew deep down I was going to fail the exams, which I did. I failed Mm -hmm. first and second year in college. But you actually shunned that light on the justification for why I had already decided I was going to fail. It wasn't until I started to become more aware of things like emotional intelligence, Mm self-awareness, that I decided, you know what? I actually have strengths here that are far removed from sitting down with pen and paper and studying for six hours a day. Instead, I'm quite Mm people-centric and and people-oriented and I'd be better off to work in a a career that is very people-centric. And I've obviously done that and that's what I do now currently. But you basically, what a long-winded way of saying, it was you that summed it up really nicely in a way that made me reevaluate. Yeah, if I'm falling short, I'll have a justification as opposed Mm -hmm. to just accept that I'm falling short in this particular area,
1: absolutely yeah no you you knew paul I was the exact same way I mean growing up i I was a class clown and you know absolute joker and and you know in a way I actually there's you a know, part of me where I feel bad because I reckon i reckon people did worse than their leaving cert because of me and having me in their class, you know, but that was my way i, I mean growing up, I just. I don't know what it was, but there was a point where I just, and I think it was when I was being bullied when I was younger, I went through an awful bad experience of being bullied when I was uh, going through my early, like with, you know, 13 to to 16. And I think that I just lost. It's definitely where my anxieties later in life stemmed from, but I just lost a lot of confidence. But then once I went into, you know, yeah I actually moved school because it was just getting too much, and i and I went to to cost acknowledge the jet, the jazz. but I was a class clown, and I just, you know, when I went to college that carried on, I didn't do any work like nothing, nothing. And it was just I'm the funny guy. I'm the class clown. I didn't do any work, and I failed the exams. Oh, no worries there, you know, no surprise there. but I didn't do any work, so it doesn't mean. But really, it was just because it was a cop-out. You're you're dead right. And it's, it's and I and I hope this just, I'm trying to think of, a, of an example I could use that isn't, you know, uh, insulting. But, you know, it's, let, let's be real. It's the, you know, I'm just big boned. It's like, uh, you know, maybe that's part of it. But maybe, are you sure you're not just kind of using that as an excuse not to put the hours in and put the work in? I think we use that, at times as a way just to just to get away from putting the work in look at the end of the day you, you know people the most successful people in life typically aren't the most naturally gifted and the most naturally you know uh, uh you know physical specimens it's it's the people who have are willing to put in the work and yeah of course there's going to be a combination where you have the natural gift and the the hard work that combination is going to be deadly but if you just yeah I think it's just getting away from the excuses and allowing yourself to to cop out and just put in the work in the graft because it's so rewarding you know it can be difficult though because I've had one or
2: two clients say something similar to me recently that one of them his exact words were I kind of accepted the role of the funny fat guy so I nearly felt obliged to fulfill that role and yeah you know, in college, very much same. I was the the kind of the social party guy, the one who organized everything. Like it didn't matter that I missed all my lectures because I was drunk and you know I enabled. Yeah. I'm not putting blame on anybody by any means, but I had finally found a role that made me feel good, and other people enabled that role. My fault yeah. entirely. But you know, the social fun guy, you might, you know, I was the failure guy that you know, the fat jolly guy. We yeah. take on roles that others are expected. One of my best mates a few years back told me that like on the QT he pulled me aside and he said lads I really don't like how you guys talk to me and we were we were shocked we were what do you mean he said mm-hmm. well he, you always take the piss out of me he's like I'm not that stupid and we had to almost say back to him but like you do silly quirky things to get a reaction so we assume that's the role you want to fulfill yeah. we, it wasn't it wasn't as um you know straight to the point as that but that's just, in essence what happened you know he, mm-hmm. he'd taken a quirky role i had taken a certain role you've taken a certain role there's the jolly fat guy role and then when it becomes enabled and almost accepted, you, to some degree, hang your hat on that on on, and nobody else can see that. And then people yeah. assume that that's the role you want to fulfill. That can be a very difficult thing to challenge out of yourself too, because if that's what's reinforced a lot and that's what gets you accepted, mm-hmm. it's it's tricky. It's tricky to challenge that.
1: Yeah, I, kudos to your friend honestly for actually saying that, because that's that's very hard in and of itself. You know, it, um, it is. Yeah. So fair play to them. Yeah, it's a it, it's it's a tricky thing. I think it's just you know, at the end of the day just got to evaluation and and think of who you want to become in in the future and it it is hard to break that mold and, and break from it. You know, I still I still have those battles where I you know, start to believe oh maybe I'm not smart enough, maybe I don't have it, what it takes, but it's just pulling myself back to the fact that I, you know, like at the end of the day, I I went back and and this is a I, I've kind of said this story before, but part of me wanted to prove. So I went, got managed to scrape through college. I mean, scrape through college, uh, and that was when I was definitely at the when I I went back and repeated my my second year, and then went on and did my final year. Did a little bit better in final year, but still not to the the point where I wanted to and and then I kind of made the decision and part of it was because when you go to college you can apply for this one-year visa to the U.S. so that was sort of a dream of mine so I went back and I decided I was going to go back and do a master's degree um but the other side of it was I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it when I committed fully to it I was able to do well um And this is kind of going veering off a little bit, but the other thing I did do, and I'm big on visualization, Paul, like I like to visualize, you know, where I want to be in the future, what I want to achieve. And I've seen incredible results from visualizing uh, countless different stories that I could go through. But one that always comes to mind was I kept visualizing and it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it was, um, it wasn't intentional. Like I didn't have this desire to get this exact number, but for some reason, this number 72, which is like a first class honors, the best grade you can get uh, in, in Irish. It's kind of a funky system, but uh, yeah, it's a first class honor. So that's what, what you want to get. It's a great result. Um, went back and did the masters. Was kind of visualizing and, and working my ass. That's the key thing. I worked my ass off. I put blood, sweat, tears into it and, and really worked hard at it. And, um, yeah, at the end of it, you you do your exams, which count for, I think, 50%, and you do a dissertation, which accounts for 50%. Got my results back of my, my exams, and I think I was at 68.5% or something, which is just below the first class honours. So I was like, oh, bummer, really hard to get a first class honours in your dissertation, like, really, really difficult. Um, But I... Yeah, I've worked my ass off again throughout the summer, submitting my 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 dissertation or my thesis. And uh score I got back on that was 72%, which I had seen over and over again, which overall it bumped me up to 70%, which is the first class on it. But that for me was a kind of a key moment again where I I just I had got I had that limiting belief that I wasn't smart enough. I didn't have what it takes. I went back and I basically, again, told my, that voice in my head to go fuck himself <laughs> and showed, showed, showed him who, who you know, look, at the end of the day, it's, and it, it it is possible. It's within all of us. We just have to, we have to commit, we have to believe, and then we have to work our asses off.
2: Yeah. yeah amazing. I'm delighted to hear that, man, because it is, it is quite a debilitating story when you've just decided you're not smart enough to complete a degree mm-hmm. or, or complete something with meaning I, i'm so intrigued by actually affirmations and manifestation because you know there's the part of you that might hear that and think cheesy manifestation stuff but i'm 100 yeah. percent with you like i i'm big on say it out like i'm like you i say things out loud oh my girlfriend thinks i'm a quack now she accepts me
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. and she loves
2: me but, like, right there I'm, with you paul right yeah. there with you yeah <laughs> Exactly, like what you said, because I relate to, it's why I really wanted to get you on the podcast, why I've been irritating you for the last few weeks on on Facebook. Kev, get on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But I I will just be standing in the kitchen and say like, I am, or this is real, or like blah, 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 blah. And I'm trying to become the person who's capable of generating that kind of outcome that, you know, I'm I'm in, you know, it's not wisdom I have yet. That is knowledge I have yet, but it is knowledge I will acquire. So, yeah. like, when you're when you're doing your affirmations, or when you're trying to manifest something, God, we've gotten very cheesy with this in a sense, but like, you yeah. you say things out loud, and then you try and put your conscious attention on them, and then work towards it, and keep reminding yourself it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's the affirmation side of it, and then yeah, like I said, the the visualization side of it, and and you know, there's been countless studies on on visualization, which I think is a really powerful technique. Uh, the key with it is. Yes, you want to see the end result, but one recommendation I would give is, is relive those past memories that bring you a lot of gratitude, joy, get those feelings in your body, and then start to visualize what you want in the future. Because your body your body doesn't know the difference between what's real and what isn't. If you're reliving a future state in your mind, it can't tell the difference between whether it's real or not real. So you know, if you can get the feelings that you've felt in the past when you've experienced incredible success or joy or positivity and then envision those future moments... Your, your body and mind doesn't know the difference and it starts to gear what's called the reticular activating system, which starts to look for those opportunities that will get you closer to that goal. But I think one, th- one thing that's, I, I find really interesting is, um, you know, myself and Alexa, we're, and this is an example kind of used in, in the industry a lot, but myself and Alexa are, you know, they, we want to get a, a, she has a car. I don't have a car, but we want to get a, another car. Just, yeah. Convenience, and we we, now that we have a puppy, we need something a little bit, little bit bigger. But you, you start to research models, you know, uh, and different types of of cars, and it's so interesting that when you start to look into these different cars, these different models, you then all, pretty much all you see on the road is the car you're looking for. You know, you're looking for a, a Toyota or whatever Toyota you know, SUV, you start to see that Toyota SUV all the time. It's like your mind is now geared towards finding that car when you're out on the road, when you're walking around. And although it's, that's kind of simplifying things, you know? So if I was to challenge, you know, people listening today, it's like next time. So for the, for 24 hours, just look for like a yellow car, It's not a common color, or common car that you would see often, but when you start to become conscious of it, you can be guaranteed that you're going to see a couple of yellow cars over the next 24 hours, if you make it a focus of yours. So I think we, it's, it's that simplifying it, but when you do start to become tunnel vision and start to focus on what you want in life rather than what you don't want, those opportunities that get you closer to your goals will come about. They will start to crop up. And so I think it's just getting out of the mindset of, you know, and again, we're talking about affirmations like, oh, I don't want to fail at this job. I don't want to uh, not hit my quota. I don't want to uh, get fat again. You're you're telling, you're, you're not telling your mind where you want to go. You're telling your mind where it doesn't want to go, but the mind's just going to start to attract what you're you're telling it. So it's just going to start, Oh, it's going to get you fatter again. It's going to, you know, it's not going to give you those or uh, allow you to identify those opportunities that are going to make you successful in your career. So I know it sounds kind of like airy fairy, but that's the reality, like all, all these different things. And I've learned these over, over four or five years of, uh you know, being a point where I, I couldn't see anything good and anything positive And, I've kind of flipped the switch and it's from learning all of these things over the years. So I'm just very conscious of thinking and and bringing to mind what I want in life rather than what I I don't want.
2: Yeah, a lot of the people who have traits I admire Mm -hmm. tend to say something similar to what you said that. I always think about the the Cristiano Ronaldo Mm -hmm. interview he did when he was 18 when himself... I don't know if you follow football much, but basically three Man United footballers Ferdinand Anderson and Ronaldo were asked who's the best player in history when Ronaldo was about 18 or 20 and they both Mm. said Maradona and then Ronaldo said me and this was what 16 16 years ago and that went viral since and um, you know he's since gone on to achieve that and that's just Mm -hmm. one example but it's I'm a huge football fan and I see Ronaldo all his career I've noticed that you know who's the best player in history i am i don't care what you think i think i'm the best yeah. if i don't think i'm the best how could i ever reach that i think mm-hmm. that self-fulfilling prophecy is it's almost inevitable isn't it, it it's a self-fulfilling mm-hmm. belief that if you know you said there i don't want to not hit my quota and by specifying where you don't want to go it's still the infinite possibilities where you could go it's not that one place that you want to specifically get to so that's yeah. why that's why I'm such a big believer, because I'm aware you can float through life. I floated through for 26 years. I had to start going, hang on, I have no sense of direction. I need to get a sense of direction. And then you mm-hmm. like you hone in on it. And then everything seems to change five, six years later. Everything seems to be super, super different. But really, it's just a day-to-day practice of small tiny promises which kind of brings me on to your your podcast with Brianna you have a wonderful chemistry you would think you're doing it years it's really endearing oh, to hear the two stuff. of you Cheers, yeah it's it's fantastic it really is I would think you're two seasoned veterans two seasoned pros because it's a relatively <laughs> new thing
1: oh nice that's good to hear appreciate it
2: yeah and you I mean you've you've got quite a number of topics that I just want to touch on Basically, you touched on things like imposter syndrome. And you. you mm. when I was listening to it, I was thinking, interesting. I haven't heard it quite discussed like this. I've only heard it discussed in in the context of you slightly feel like an imposter. But you mentioned soloist, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, whereby mm. you have this initial, I'll do it, I'll figure it out myself, get lost mentality, right? Yeah. That's that's the one in me. That's the one that I landed with. Uh, interesting. It, Got it. I'll figure this out myself. You know, that, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah. to. Right? I don't need and, help. Exactly, you, you, you kind of touched on that, which I found interesting. But in terms of imposter syndrome in your own life, mm. um, how, for the context of this podcast, how has imposter syndrome played a role and how do you find yourself overcoming it? And the reason I ask this question is, I think that is one every human on the planet is going to relate to. Feelings of oh, ir- yeah. irre- irrelevance and inferiority in in spite of being a perfectly competent individual.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you can, you can be guaranteed unless you're a complete narcissist that you know the top people the ceos the presidents the the top football you know rugby whoever it is they they trust me they experience imposter syndrome as well and um, for me it's it's still like i i think it's like i i don't think there's i think uh, uh, overall imposter syndrome has its pros and cons pros it, it does make your work a bit harder you know con, it can be draining of energy. It's about finding the balance where you still have that drive to work hard and push yourself uh, but not let it consume you. But one thing that I do is I remind myself of the wins of the successes that I've that I've achieved in life. I have a list of them in my notes section. and if I need to, I revert back and I look, you know, so let's say let's say sales, for example, you have a quota, you have a number to hit. You know, it it can be, you'll have good quarters, you'll have bad quarters. And it's, it's, there's, there's always, I think one of the critical components of sales is staying positive, no matter how challenging it is. And, but when you're, when the times are good, you're like, I'm, again, it's the ego. I'm amazing. I've got this figured out. I can do the, you know, and when times are bad, you're like, start to doubt yourself. Oh, I'm going to get found out for, for not having the skills. I'm going to get found out for, for not being good at this job. So keep a roster, keep a keep a list of, of those achievements because you're more than likely done it so many times before you just forget about it. You forget about all the things that you're doing wrong. So when you have that list, you can look back and say, oh, actually, you know what? I've done this, you know, 10 times before. I've achieved quota uh, and this quarter is, is a challenge, but I've been in this situation before and yeah, I can do it, you know? it's And also it's like, Paul, you know, it it's not... Don't let the setbacks, don't let those, when it doesn't all fall into place it doesn't all happen, you know, don't allow yourself to completely beat yourself up about it. It's all part of the process. It's, it's life is a process where you have those peaks, you have those troughs. And I find when you have those troughs, as you evolve and get, you know, learn from, from, the, from, the, from the troughs, those troughs get easier and easier and easier to manage every time they happen. And they almost, you almost get to a point where you welcome them, like bring it on, because I know it's going to bring so much more value into my life.
2: Well, a, d- a degree of doubt is healthy, isn't it? As you, I think you said it a moment mm. ago that basically narcissism would be the nar- narcissistic types of personalities are probably the ones who will never default into. I could be the common issue here, but mm-hmm. healthy doubt is a very good thing. It's what keeps you auditing your role, and it keeps yeah. you seeking to, seeking for improvements in your in your own particular career, in your own life, in, in how you show up
1: absolutely yeah
2: when you have that healthy balance for sure you uh, also talked about a morning routine on your podcast with Brianna Mm -hmm. and I found this fascinating too because I don't I I, I'm I feel me and you are quite similar but we're also quite different in many respects and Mm. I don't have a morning routine that I need to particularly cling to by any means I I can go with the flow if I need to and and happily so and actually I need the option of it believe it or not but Mm. I have a thing that i do i i call it keep three small promises to myself every day and my theory behind it is they have to be doable on my worst of days worst Mm -hmm. worst worst so one of i think one of ours is similar mine is have a glass of water when i wake up and Mm -hmm. it's almost so low it doesn't seem to have any impact on life but try it and you'll realize at the start it's actually like these little tiny habits can be difficult to embed Mm -hmm. because they're almost so low they don't seem worthwhile but they're still out of reach enough that you don't actually think to do it. So I've been trying to, and I've been trying to do it myself and I've been trying to encourage clients to have a small set of promises or a small little set of agreements that they do every day, non-negotiables that, Minor, for example, just basically whether it's a hundred pull-ups or one minute walk, it's move my body on the daily, even if just for a minute. Have a glass of water upon waking, and um, never eat junk food for breakfast. That's my three. So, like, I'll rather skip breakfast and push it back than go to the donut shop if that's all that's there. Mm. They have immensely enriched my life over the last decade, but tomorrow there will be no significant return off that. And yeah. you talked, you talked about the importance of your morning routine. Uh, mm. So I kind of want you to just touch a little bit on how that shows up for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, and I I think uh, so I would have been exceptionally rigid with the things that I needed to do in the past, but I've gone to a point now where I think I'm I'm a lot more flexible now. I still do these. It's funny, myself and Alexa were asking, you know, what what would your dream day, you know, while well, we're we're doing some silly, stupid quiz or something, but it's like what would the other person do if they had that house to themselves uh, for a day with, without the other, per- without the other person? Uh, and, you know, I was like, Alexa would, you know, get up and shoot, you know, is, watch her favorite show. You It was, it was actually kind of like, Oh, this, that'd be a fun day to do. What was mine? He would get up, cold shower, gratitude, meditate, you know, uh, burpees, whatever. It's like, <laughs> But that's, that's what makes me happy. It's consistently, I'm consistently filling myself with, with, with joy when I do those things. So for me, it's uh you know, get up, I cold shower and I found cold shower. First of all, again, it's the voice in the head. I'm literally telling the voice, that get in that fucking cold shower. I'm the boss. You know what I mean? Um, so I love that. It also just knocks you back into the present where you're just, you've no, no, choice it knocks the wind out of your your lungs so you're you're instantly brought into the present you can't really think of a whole lot uh then the cold water so i like it for that aspect i get out i ask my empowering questions i recite my goals in the mirror i then uh get out i I do my meditation i have sort of a i i and sorry i have the big big pint of water with some himalayan pink salt and either apple cider vinegar sometimes or or without and go back in and do my, um, do my sort of, it's sort of a gratitude priming. It's, it's like where I three relive three past things that brought me joy and gratitude and then kind of envision what I want to achieve for the future. And then I go out and I put on some music that I like and jump on, uh, jump on my mini trampoline, <laughs> which I is a new thing, new thing. I know this. I, yeah, I, I know a, this. I know. I know you do. I'm a Tony Robbins fan and, uh, <laughs> He he recommended uh, the trampolining and I'm a, I'm a sucker and I just went and I bought it. But hey, the thing is, when I buy the shit, I use it. I always tell Alex, he's like, really, like a mini trampoline. Are you, like, well, what are you doing, Matt? And I, I say, yeah, but I'm using it every day. It'd be, it'd be bad if it was sitting there gathering dust, but I bought it and I'm using it. Uh, and then, yeah, that just sort of sets, me, sets the tone for the rest of the day, Paul. But like the one thing I'll say is I didn't do all of this just at once. I took, honestly, the first step I took was maybe meditation. And then I started introduced, uh, you know, gratitude journaling, which is something I do after as well. And then maybe I introduced the, the uh, cold shower. And this is all over a couple of years. It wasn't just like, oh, this is this is the system. This is a morning routine. I'm going to do all of this. Not at all. I did one thing, did another thing, and added and grew uh, and yeah now i've got to this stage where i've got this this wild morning routine but yeah it brings me a lot of joy and fulfillment it's very apparent to me even just seeing you for the first time seeing seeing you like face
2: to face even though it's computer for the first time in years <laughs> that you, you do seem to get a lot of joy you seem genuinely someone who's at peace or certainly mm. you seem very content and happy in yourself that it's actually quite a noticeable difference from the last time i would have seen you not that you were by any means unhappy last time i met you but there's a yeah there's a certain maturity and a certain sense of self if self um relaxation that i sense off mm. you now so it's kind of cool to see that results of all the, the morning routine and, and the way life yeah. is going for you right
1: now yeah yeah no i appreciate that paul and i think without a doubt i was uh i i yeah it's just it's just interesting to look back and it does amaze me just how much you can grow you know, yeah and I just think when I was at that low point, I, I really just thought, this is it. I'm just going to be miserable and unhappy and hate my life for the rest of my life. And now I'm at this point where it's the complete opposite, you know, and for for anybody who's listening, who's going through a difficult period in life, it's just know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And to know, first of all, that you're not alone. There's so many people that are going and have gone through what you're going through. Um, and yeah, just to, just to realize that things will get better. Yeah. You've, you. I'll, I'll wrap it
2: up shortly, man. I'll just almost leave you with this question. You've kind of reevaluated, in a sense, your relationship with time that life is a lot longer than perhaps you might have thought when you were going through the roughness that instead of feeling unfulfilled forever, you start to think, hang on, I might be alive for 70 more years. It mm. it might be important to not catastrophize where I'm at right now. That's just something that comes yeah. up for me a lot.
1: Yeah, no, So it's funny. I think uh so I I would say when I was going through the rough patch it was almost like god, I can't wait for life to be over. I wish it would just speed up so I can get through this misery. And now it's now it's the fear of oh my god, I'm losing time and it's life is so great and I want to maximize every moment and minute I can and you know thankfully Alexa is not a, a replica of me by any means so she pulls me back and helps me slow down a bit which is great but yeah it's it's just I I really I really just yeah I've just grown to grown to really be fond of life which is something I never thought I would be able to do uh come back in the day so yeah Oh, well, I'm delighted
2: to hear that. It's, it's a wonderful thing to hear. And it's a wonderful note to wrap up the podcast.
0: That's it for this week's episode. Thank you, Paul and Kevin. We hope you enjoy what you heard. Make sure to leave us a review, rate and subscribe. And more importantly, come back next week for some more great Be Human content.